You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Techno Podcast number 273. I'm all by myself. Yep. Just me. Where's David? Where's David? Hey everyone, Tim Robertson here on the Tech Fan Podcast. This is number 273. Even though I have my GarageBand file misnamed, last week David did a solo show, and this week I'm doing one. And uh, I'm actually recording this starting, anyways, at 10 p.m. on a Saturday night. And I've got a jacked up knee right now. Mm hmm. And when I say jacked up <laughs> i mean i don't know i twisted my knee at work today and uh you know that i'm just not as young as i used to be <laughs> that's really what it comes down to um julie says i should be putting ice on it she's absolutely right but i don't know i i move around too much as i'm doing a podcast and i think it would be too much of a distraction so I'm going to hold off for right now. And honestly, I'll probably go to bed as soon as I get done recording this and getting it uploaded. So maybe ice tomorrow, but maybe not because I got to go to a client's tomorrow um, as part of my non-full-time job. As I've talked about on the show. Um, oh, by the way, did you notice at the very beginning it said uh, my Mac Podcasting Network? That transition's pretty much complete. I still have some older... Stoplight shows, um, Geeky Show, Ever, Three Geeky Ladies, Nintendo Club, um, those kind of shows. I still need to transition those over to MyMac.com. Uh, I post-date the shows, so it, it you know it gets posted at the MyMac site the same day that it was originally posted on the Stoplight Network. So, yeah, you know, it, it takes some time, and I'm in no big hurry to get those shows moved over uh, because honestly all those shows have been hosted on the MyMac server since the very beginning um, and the stoplight network webpage isn't going down it's just not getting updated so it's it's still sitting there I'll get to it but you know in time so I've got a client to go to tomorrow and this is a client that I've gone to a couple times and I and I briefly talked about it here on uh, tech fan but I don't think I really went into any kind of detail on an adventure where the dogs are gonna walk by and they, they really got to get their toenails clipped or whatever you call them their claws clipped down it's they sound like horses and tap dancing behind me um, so what happened was, and I apologize if I have gone through this before. I, I honestly don't remember going through it before. So, and, and maybe a little bit more detail this time, explaining exactly what I did. So this client had uh, a problem. And the short story of what the problem was is they hired a company to remotely help them with a Gmail problem. And what they did was a Google search for Gmail 
technical support, and this place came up. Well, it wasn't Google. And my clients gave them access, remote access, to their computers. And when they did that, they put some uh, nasty software on there. Well, I got rid of the nasty stuff. But the problem was they realized afterwards and after I investigated that this place pretty much scammed them. So they went and uh, contested the charges. And when this company found out, they did something pretty nasty. Now, when they originally got access to their computers, they also got access to their Gmail account. Now, this isn't a at gmail.com account. This is a business Gmail account. I don't know if a lot of you know this, but I'll, I'll give you my Mac as an example. Now, I don't use Google for my Mac at all. But if I wanted to, I could have my own domain at any web server I want, mymac.com. But if I wanted to run the mymac email through the Gmail servers, I can set that up with a business account. And when you do that, you originally create one master account, <clears throat> an administrator, and then that administrator administrates all the other account users. So when they gave them access to their business Gmail account, this company went in and set up a, uh, an administrator, or at least they took over the administrator account that my client probably didn't even know existed, and they locked them out of their email. They changed the passwords. And so my clients then, they couldn't send or receive their email. And remember, this is at their domain. In other words, their their URL. So it's, I'll give you MyMac as an example again. So my client owns MyMac.com. Their email is their name at MyMac.com. This company, because the email is hosted on Gmail, they had access to the administrator account and my client didn't locked them out. So they could not send or receive at Gmail or at mymac.com any email at all. And Google is pretty much worthless. It's there's a technical way you can get back a hold of it, but it takes a long time. And actually getting someone on the phone at Google is a miracle. And then even if you do, it's just not going to help. So that was the quandary. How can they get their email back without capitulating to these hackers, these thieves, and agreeing to pay the money? And even if they did, what's to stop this company from ever doing this again? Uh, a year from now, they just lock them out and go, well, you know what? Uh, you send a service a contract with us that's uh, $500 a year. So until you pay us this $500 a year, we're not going to let you into your account. So that would pretty much suck. I think we all agree. And, and there's nothing to stop them from doing that. Now, this hacking company did not have access to their website. That was hosted on a completely different server through a completely different company. But it is the domain name. So that was my key. That's That's kind of what I focused on. So I was trying to figure out how could I get control back of their email accounts, give them access to it, bypassing Google and this company. 
well, I'm not going to get Google to release anything because they're going to default to the administrator account. And of course the administrator account is controlled by the hackers, the thieves. So this was my idea. I, I was talking to my client and I said, look, uh, my, it's a husband and wife and it's a small business, but it's not really a business. It's too difficult to explain without going into detail. And it's not my place to give details about them. But I will say of the two, she is much more technically inclined than he is. So it's, I've been working with her and I working with her on the phone it can be difficult, not just because of her, but because doing any kind of technical thing over the phone, not in person is difficult. And there's really not, but there was really nothing she could do. Even if I was there on her computer, this is, I, I have to figure out a solution. And this was my solution. So, and I, and this is how my Mac is set up. My Mac is set up through a company, a hosting company that doesn't only host mymac.com, they also host my email. So when I set my accounts up, and I've changed hosting companies before, heck, at one time I was running it on my own server, uh, a colo, which means a co-location. My, at the time, G5 was co-located with this company in California, and it was my machine. I had remote access to it. I could log in, do whatever I needed to do. And hold on a second. I'm going to get these dogs in the other room. Sorry about that. Usually the dogs are quiet when I'm doing a show, but honestly, uh, <laughs> they're probably not used to me doing it at 10 o'clock at night. And uh, Noah, that that was the dog. His his nails grow so fast. I just got them clipped, too. Um, but, you know, a dog's nails on wooden floors, it's going to be loud. Although in my office I have carpeting, but behind me is a dining room, and that's uh, a wooden floor. And clack, 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 clack. So I put him in the kitchen, shut the door, he can't get out. Sorry about that, though. Anyways, so with MyMac.com, I don't only host my domain with this hosting company. I also host my email. And when you change hosting companies, and I'm let, let's say I'm going to go from company A as a hosting company to company B, it's fairly simple to do. I go into my domain register, the company that I used to originally... Um, ho uh, register my domain, mymac.com. Way back in the day when I first did it, it was Network Solutions. Why Network Solutions? Because they were the only company that you could do it with back in the day. That's how long I've been running my Mac. So um, now I don't use Network Solutions anymore. Actually, I, I do all mine through Hoover. Uh, not because of any ads I've heard, uh, and they're not an advertiser of the show, but I like their customer support. I like their website a lot. It's really easy to set up. And if I do need to either register a domain or transfer a domain from one server to another, I just go in and this is the key. I change the DNS entries. Now, when you go to a website, mymac.com, techfanpodcast.com, even macsales.com, our sponsor for this episode, um, you're not going to that word. You're, you're not going to mymac.com. There's a directory that's replicated all over the internet that that name www.mymac.com or .net or .org or whatever it is actually um, it has to know where that server is for that address 
those are called DNS entries. So when you change servers, you have to change your DNS entries. So if I leave one server to go to another one, I, I don't necessarily have to do anything on the old server once the DNS entries have changed and propagated throughout the Internet. Usually it takes about 24 hours for it to be completely done. And so when you go to the that address, mymac.com, it checks the DNS entries and says, oh, it's on, it's at this physical address, these numbers. And it goes there and it says, hey, this number, I'm, I'm looking for this URL. And it says, oh, yeah, it's right here. There you go. There's the default page and you're good to go. And this happens in milliseconds. I mean, it's so fast, it would, it would blow your mind. However, in the case of my client, as I said, the website was not being hosted by Google, just the email. So I reckon, what if we transferred your domain name to my account where I host mymac.com? All I have to do, uh, my client has to do, is log into the register account. In uh, this case, it was, uh, what's that? One with the really crass commercials. Um, not Monster. What is it? I can't remember. And you, I'm sure it's going to come to me later, and some of you, GoDaddy, that's what it was. So she had originally used GoDaddy to register their account, their their website. So I said, all right, go into GoDaddy, and I kind of walked her through it. And I haven't used GoDaddy in years and years and years. I think I used them once or twice, and it was just an awful website. To do anything is just terrible. But I walked her through it, and I got her to change the DNS entries for her website to the new website, which is hosted on the same servers under my account, where my Mac is hosted, where TechFan is hosted, and once she did that and that DNS entry propagated through the internet, all traffic going to that domain would now go to the new domain on the new servers, right? So once she did that, I built a new website for very basic. It's just basically one page with a picture. The website's immaterial. But what that allowed me to do is to create an email account. And I named them exactly the same that they were when she was hosting them at Google. Are you with me? Do you understand what I did? Because on my server, when you create a new domain or you transfer a domain over, I control the email. I don't have to, but I wanted to, just like I do at MyMac.com. So once the DNS entry propagated throughout the Internet, all web traffic asking for that domain name was going to this server. Same thing works with email. Because we changed the DNS entries, any email going to that website at mymac.com, for instance, is going to request it from that server. And, of course, that's where it's now located. So I set up the email address, gave her the same email address that they had before. There's only two of them. And within... 24 hours. It was honestly, the email started working within a couple hours and I was sending out tests from various email accounts, different devices, everything I was sending her, she was getting, but here's the funny part. The very next day, her phone was ringing off the hook 
from Guess Who? <laughs> yep. That hacking company. They can't figure out how it was done. They have no idea how we bypassed their hack. And so I told her, you know, we really did hack the hackers. We got around them. We, uh, we're not paying them a dime. We don't have to because they're not holding anything that's of value at this point. We changed the DNS entries. They never had control of that. And we just set up the email addresses. Now, there could have been a couple of emails that were sent to the account before we made the changes, and there's no way to recover those. But she assures me that after a week or so of reaching out to you know the, the people that usually email back and forth, doesn't look like she lost anything. So we, we outsmarted the hackers. I guess the moral is it's not always about calling customer service at a company like Google or Apple or Microsoft or going into, you know, the Apple store. Sometimes the solution isn't something that most people would come up with. Maybe you come up with the solution and you help yourself. And you know what? Look, they're clients and I got paid to do this, but you know what? It's pretty darn satisfying when you come up with a, a very creative solution to a real world problem. They were stuck and they could have paid. They would have got it unlocked. I'm quite sure this company would have hit them up year after year after year, if not more often for some kind of a yearly stipend. Uh, blackmail and they never would have got out of that rut they probably would have had almost no success getting Google to help them but I helped them because they use a creative solution and I bet you every single person listening to this show and I don't mean just tech you come up with these creative solutions I bet all the time share your stories let us know about these kind of creative solutions that things that that you figured out, that you did. It feels pretty good when it happens, trust me. So I do want to thank our sponsor this week. It's MacSales.com, as it has been for a few months now. Um, they got some really cool savings going on right now. Uh, boy, this one ends the third, so I'm not even going to mention these savings because a lot of you won't even hear this in time. But honestly, with the release of the new Mac OS... I bet there's a lot of you running Sierra that's, I bet it's not as fast as it probably should be. And maybe it's because you're still on a standard hard drive. You know, the spinning disc ones that actually just started spinning right here next to me. You probably heard it. Consider upgrading to an SSD. It's going to be so much faster. And look, OWC, MacSales.com has install videos for pretty much every Mac out there. I, I can't think of any that they don't that, you know, supports, uh, an SSD. So you can literally like load up the, uh, the videos on your iPhone or your iPad and watch it and pause it and do the upgrade yourself. Again, it's those creative solutions that if you've never done it, give it a shot. It's, it's not a scary thing. Look, if you're listening to this show, you're probably pretty tech savvy. You can crack open your machine and upgrade it. Now, I don't recommend it for all the machines. There's some with glued on screens and blah, you don't want to mess with that stuff. But if you've got a Mac 
and you've got a standard hard drive in it, I bet you can upgrade it yourself. I bet you don't even need somebody's help. Watch the install video. Watch it twice in a row. Pause it. Do the step they just did. Unpause it. Watch it some more. It's, you know what, honestly, it's fun. It's fun to do. I like opening machines and, and stuff like that. But look, I, I, I've been talking about rebuilding arcades here and building the little mini ones. And, you know, that's kind of in my DNA. Wait, got to take a drink now. Ah. See, that's nice. And when David's here, I, I can take a sip of... Uh, a drink and you probably don't even know it's because I wait till he's talking. <laughs> I don't have that option right now. Hopefully David and I will get together next week. Uh, I'm back to my regular schedule. I'm not sure about David. I, I'm pretty sure he is too. So I'm honestly looking forward to, uh, to, uh, doing another show with David really, really soon. But thank you very much. MaxSales.com for sponsoring this episode of tech fan. Uh, I encourage everybody listening. If you've got a tech thing that you need to buy, give maxsales.com uh, a try first. They probably have it at a darn good price. And look, they, they have customer service that's won awards that they're really, really good at it. So and look, they are the Mac upgrade company. I mean, there really isn't very many that are left from the heyday. And maxsales.com obviously has been doing it longer than anybody I can think of at this point. So they know what they're doing. MaxSales.com. Speaking of David, I listened to his show solo show last week. Um, and I apologize for some of the, uh, booms that you probably heard. Uh, I don't know. It sounded like he was hitting his desk or something. Um, he records differently than I do and he doesn't do it very often and he's got brand new recording gear. I don't think he realized how sensitive his microphone is and it was picking up stuff. Uh, David, don't do that. <laughs> I haven't given him crap about it yet, but I know for a fact that, uh, John Nemo from mymac.com <laughs> actually sent an email asking about that and, and wondering if it was just his headphones. It wasn't your headphones, John. <laughs> <laughs> and you want you want to know David what really made it annoying for me um I talked about putting a new speaker system in my car and it's done and it's pretty powerful so when that bass sound from you hitting the desk or something came through wow that was really loud in my car uh let me talk about that before I get back to what I was going to say uh, so uh, I do product reviews. I haven't written the one for this yet, and I'm still on the fence whether it's going to be good or bad, and I've got about a week to make up my mind. Uh, it's a product from Amazon, uh, well, that Amazon sent. It's the Boss Audio Systems Base 12AP 600-watt 12-inch enclosure with ported subwoofer built-in amplifier. Ugh, what does all that mean? It's a big speaker box that goes in your trunk. It's actually not that big. It's got a 12-inch subwoofer, and it's got on the back of this box, uh, this triangular-type-shaped box, a built-in 600-watt amplifier. And you can use the amplifier that's on this speaker box, not just to power this big, giant subwoofer, which it does, but to power all, this, all the speakers in your car. Um, got it all set up. Been using it for a few weeks now. 
and I, I, I'll be honest, my audio system sounds a lot better. Except at really high volume, this speaker kind of is a little bit muddy, honestly. I think the box and the amp is great. I just think this is a weak 12-inch sub. Uh, the thing only costs $125 shipped prime. I mean, a really good 12-inch subwoofer itself is going to be a couple hundred bucks. So, yeah, you know, for the price. But the amp seems really good. It seems really, really good. Um, the picture on Amazon also shows a wiring kit. Uh, yeah, it didn't come with that. So right there, you know, Amazon allows five stars not coming with the wiring kit that they clearly show in the picture. Yeah, that's going to knock the, the stars down probably by two because you buy this thing. It should be everything you need. It's got all the wiring kit and all the fuses and everything ready to go. Oh, no, guess what? You can't do it. Got to go buy this, go to the store and, and buy another wiring kit or jump on Amazon and wait a couple more days. Uh, that's not cool. So this subwoofer <laughs> made your pounding, David, but blow my ears out, dude. <laughs> I'm serious. You might kill me, man. Uh, I love you, buddy. Um, so yeah, I've got that in my car. There's, I tell you what, I crank up ACDC in that sucker. Whoo, man, that sounds good. My daughter really likes some of this new alternative music. Um, a lot of that sounds pretty good too. I, pretty much everything I listen to musical, it sounds great. And the neat thing about usually podcasts is they're, they're not bass heavy or anything. So I can really crank up the volume here really good. Even driving down the highway with my windows rolled down. And I really couldn't before not without it distorting with this amp powering my stock speakers, plus the subwoofer. I can hear just fine with the windows down. So it's pretty cool. And you know what? 125 bucks is not a bad price. I'm just a little disappointed in a few aspects of it. Honestly, at this point, it's, I'm probably going to give it a two out of five. Um, but regardless, I'll put a, a link to this in the show notes. You could, you know, jump on there, take a look at it. The box is carpeted and it's really nice. It's kind of got this embossing on it. It's, it's really nice. And overall, my sound system sounds a whole lot better because of it. Just not really happy that it didn't come with what it's supposed to. And the sub isn't as strong as it should be. Not that I want a car that's like, buh, buh, buh. You've, everyone's heard of those cars, right? That's not what I want. I Occasionally, I might want to listen to it that loud. But if I am, it's not going to be in a residential neighborhood or heavy traffic. Um, anyways, back to... David's last show and he really spent a lot of time talking about the Raspberry Pi and because of that listening to it I've talked about building the third uh, mini arcade I just hadn't got around to it the biggest impediment for me to do it honestly has been working with this you know, micro PC thing that's running windows, uh, eight, 8.1 because windows just doesn't get out of my way well enough, you know, without a keyboard attached to it, things happen that you have to mouse click windows for whatever reason will just throw up a dialogue occasionally and screw it all up. Um, occasionally it will just kind of crash itself for no apparent reason. 
So I just didn't really want to run Windows on it. So after listening to David, I picked up a Raspberry Pi on Amazon. Cheap. I mean, they're not expensive things at all. And uh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to run a retro Pi on it, like David was talking about. But I ran into a big problem. The micro SSD or micro SD card that I got. Uh, who makes it? Let me pull it out of my computer over here. Uh, it is at least it says it is, and I think this is the problem. Again, I got it on Amazon. It says it's a SanDisk, and it's a 64 gigabyte. And this is what I wanted to install RetroPie on, and all my ROMs and all that, and put it in the RetroPie and get it all set up and good to go. Shouldn't take long, right? Well, I've had the same for two days, and I cannot erase the SD card. Can't do it. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, wait a minute, it's a micro SD card, right? Well, it came with the adapter. So I can put it right in the SD card slot on my MacBook Pro. And it shows up on the desktop, but it doesn't do anything. So I know there's this little slider on, if I'm looking at it, and you know on an SD card it has that, you know, it's rectangular, but it's got that one little slot on the upper right-hand corner kind of cut out. On the opposite side of that is a, is a little locking thing. And... I've tried it both ways, locked, unlocked. I even read a post that said, put it right in the middle. I did that. And the card only ever comes up as read only. Now I booted up into virtual P <laughs> I just said virtual PC. I went way back in time there. I went into parallels, windows 10, same thing. I can't format this card. So I did some Google searching and it turns out this is kind of a common thing. This happens to a lot of people, especially with the 64, because you can't, um, format it like you can a 32. So that's part of the problem, but I'll be honest with you. I think it's a, I think it's a counterfeit card. And what's ironic about that is David and I were just talking about this over the last couple of months about Amazon selling products that ha you know, it looks like the real thing. It looks like that company is the one that supplied it. And it turns out, nope, it's counterfeit. Got flash drama on it, something like that. That's what David's guess is. When I told him what was going on, he said, sounds like he got one of the counterfeit cards. And he might be right. I don't know. I did put this in my an Android phone. That was my last resort. I thought, yeah, I need something that can access this card um, just to see if it's actually working. Because I can see it on the desktop on the Mac, but I can't write to it. I can't format it. I can't do anything because it always shows up locked. Well, I take that back. Not always. I did get it to show up unlocked a couple times, and I could write to it. I, I dragged a uh, a file to it and it copied in a split second, and it was on the card. Oh, cool. So I immediately go into uh, Disk Utilities, and nope, can't do it. Still won't do it. Same thing on the Windows side. In fact, Windows, uh, I got an SD card formatter program. doesn't even recognize it. And then when it does, it can't write to it. So... I don't know. It's weird, but I've written a lot of posts that says, well, really what you're supposed to do is uh, put these in a camera and the camera will format it. And once you do that, you can do whatever you want on your machine. Well, I don't have a camera anymore that reads a micro SSD card. So what do you do? Well, I've got a couple of uh, Android cards or Android phones here that I'm not using. They're charged up, ready to go. Uh, I More importantly, though, I've also got uh, a couple Kindle fires. 
So I grabbed um, a Kindle Fire 8, opened up the micro SD card slot, slid this in, and boom, it came right up on the screen. Um, the Fire asked if I wanted to use this as external storage. I said yes. Uh, it started doing something. I waited and waited and waited. I ejected the card, put it back in my Mac with the adapter, of course. And now the card is called Android, but it still shows that it's locked. I still can't do anything with it. So I'm just running around in circles with this stupid card. And I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of ticked off at this point. I, I think I'm going to replace it with a 32. And it's not going to be SanDisk, I could tell you that. Um, so I just need to hit a, a local store and just pick up a 32. They're cheap. You could pick one up for like 10 bucks, And uh, do a little experiment. See if I can format it on my computer. Because for RetroPie, um, you have to format the disk. You have to install from a disk image that you could download for free. Uh, RetroPie, uh, put it on the card, then install this card in the RetroPie itself. Uh, yeah, in the RetroPie itself and boot up. That's where the operating system will be. That's where the file structure is. When you copy your ROMs over, all that will be on the micro SD card. Without this in there with an operating system, my Raspberry Pi is just, it's nothing. It's, you can't do anything with it. You need an operating system. And the operating system I want is the RetroPie because I want it for classic arcade gaming. So that's where I'm at. I, I was expecting to have, you know, a ha-ha moment at David's expense that I went and bought a, uh, a Raspberry Pi and already installed the software and I'm ahead of him already. <laughs> See, that's what happens, David. When I try to when I try to jump the line like this and and take your idea and and run with it, nope. I should have been patient. I should have uh, waited my turn. <laughs> David's the uh, uh, more, much more of an expert than I am when it comes to the Raspberry Pi. This is the first one I've owned. He owns like three of them, and uh, yeah. I, I to be honest though, I, you know, I knew that the uh, the Raspberry Pi was small, but I tell you what, when you get it and you pull it out and you hold it, you're like, holy crap, this thing is small. I mean, it's tiny. Uh, I bought a, a, a little clear case to put it in, too, and it came with a heat sink. I also got a um, HDMI to VGA adapter. So I can plug it into the Raspberry Pi's HDMI port, and it will convert it automatically to VGA, which is how I want to run my monitor. I don't want to run 1080p for classic gaming. I want it to come out as VGA. Uh, it'll be a little bit easier to deal with at that point. It'll look better on uh, a cheap, you know, uh, monitor that I've got laying around. So, anyways, I, I got all that. It was really, really inexpensive. I just got to go and get a new micro SSD card and give that a try and test it. Hopefully, tomorrow, probably late next week, to be honest. But it's fun, you know. It's uh, it's one of those things that you just kind of get into and and start hacking around with it and playing with it. I love technology. I really do. I love learning new technology. And I I've been wanting to get a, a Raspberry Pi for a while, especially talking to David here on TechFan about it. But listening to his solo show from last week really inspired me just to bite the bullet and do it. And, uh, and honestly, a lot of that was so Dave and I would have 
something new to talk about, you know, the, the adventures with the Raspberry Pi and, you know, what it entails. Well, here's part, well, let's call David's part one of that. Mine's part two of that because ugh, I haven't even done anything with the Raspberry Pi yet. I'm still stuck on the stupid SSD card. Can you believe that? Just, nope, can't erase it, can't do anything. Every trick that you found online, not working. One trick said, oh, you know that little notch? Put a little piece of clear tape on there and then you can format it. Nope, that didn't work. I've tried everything I could find on the first 10 Google page searches for it. And uh, nothing's working. So I don't think the card's defective, to be honest with you, because I put it in my my, uh, Kindle Fire and it, it worked fine. It saw it. It said it was 64 gigs. But like David was talking about a couple weeks ago, these companies take like the four, the eight gig cards. They hack the uh, the ROMs on them or something. I don't know the the firmware to read sixty four gigs. And most people just go, oh, I guess it's bad, and they're not going to bother to to return it to Amazon for twenty bucks. They just, yeah, I just got a bad one. I'll just buy another one, and hopefully they won't get a counterfeit hacked one the next time. I'm not taking the chance. I'm going to go to a store. I'm going to buy a thirty two. See if that works. If it does, I am sending this back to Amazon. I'm not going to get scammed out of 20 bucks. Eh, Look, it's 20 bucks. Who gives a crap, right? Well, I do. I I just don't like dishonesty. Um, The only way for me to really tell if this is a hacked one is literally to copy close to 64 gigabytes of data to it. I just don't have 64 gigabytes of data on a Kindle Fire. I guess I could download a bunch of crap to it, but I don't really want to. Um... And, you know, when I stick it on my Mac, it reads the 64 gigs. You know what? If I can get this to be read and write again on my Mac, and I really haven't tried too much, I should just drag a couple big movie files over and uh, see how much I could put on there before it just kind of goes, nah, you can't do it no more. And if it's a low number, then that's kind of a confirmation that this is a, a BS product. And if it does count, you know, put that much on there, yeah, we're good to go. Uh, what are you asking me, Mac? What's new in macOS Sierra? Take an hour now or view it later from Finder Help Menu. Close. What are you talking about? Go away. Um, This popped up on my screen. Yeah, I upgraded to Sierra uh, this afternoon. I downloaded it like the second day it came out, but I was just kind of hanging out, seeing if it would, uh, does any big problems, and didn't seem to be, but I did run into a problem. Um, Runtime, Java. For OS 10 isn't working. It says I need to upgrade it, and I follow the link and I download it, and it starts installing it, and it gets to a point where it says waiting for the, for other installations to finish. Well, there is no other installations, and it just sits there, and I have to force quit it. I don't know what's up with that, but it's literally preventing me from using Photoshop or Illustrator, which really sucks. So I got to figure that out. I'm, I'm hoping maybe just a reboot. Um, and then I can reinstall this or something. I don't know. If you guys have heard about this, uh, Java for Sierra not working or alternate links to download it, let me know. But it's it's not just Java. It's Java Runtime. So I don't know. It's it's just one of those little stupid things. It's kind of nipping at your heels. You know what I mean? I hate that. So I think that's going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. Yep, it's uh, even shorter than David's solo show, but... At the moment, it is uh, 10.40 p.m., and uh, I want to, okay, I'll be honest with you. 
I want to get back to watching this episode of Luke Cage that uh, on Netflix that I paused to do the show. I'm up on episode seven right now. I like it a lot. It's a, it's a good show. I will say this though, so far, and it's look, it's like 13 episodes, so it's really unfair to judge it. But so far, I've liked Daredevil season one and two better, as well as Jessica Jones. Whether that proves to be true at the end of the series, because again, halfway through, uh, I'll let you know. And it will obviously be next episode because I'm going to continue watching it at the expense of everything I've got. Oh, you know what? Before I go, I didn't put it on the show notes. I just remembered. Um, I had to uh, replace my, my big TV in the living room. I was getting uh, these green bar things coming up. My LCD was just going bad. I tell you, if it's not one thing, it's another, right? Uh, where is my, is this my manual? No, that's not my manual. I was going to grab the manual so I could tell you what I bought exactly, but darn it, I can't find it. Well, I tell you what, we'll, we'll save that for the next episode. I know David's listening. David, remind me next week to talk about my new replacement TV. It's like the big living room, the TV, right? Um, I'll talk about that next week. So until then, thanks for listening to this episode of tech fan. Love to get feedback from you. Uh, if I'd have had feedback from you guys this week, I could have read it right here on the show. Um, it would have made doing a solo show a lot easier. The show is the address, the show at techfanpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tech Fan Podcast, as well as Facebook. We're there as well. Uh, but David doesn't check the Facebook, so that will obviously be just me. But if you hit us up on Twitter, both David and I have access to that account. We both see it. We both reply separately sometimes or one or the other. Uh, but hit us up with your questions, with your comments. I'd really love to know some creative solutions to problems that you came up with over the years, not just recently. Maybe it was something way back in OS... Uh, Mac OS 7 days or uh, Windows 95 days. I'd love to hear old tech stories. I I think most people listening to the show likes to hear stuff like that. So if you've got a cool tech story, send it over. In, in fact, you don't even have to just write it. You can just uh, pick up your iPhone, go to voice memo, record yourself, and then email that file right from the same app. Email it to us, the show at techfanpodcast.com. We'll play it right here on uh, TechFan. That, just those old show or those old tech stories, man. I I love hearing about stuff like that. Don't you? I do. Send them in. Love to read them. Love love to hear them. And I know I speak for David. We love sh uh, not just Mac stuff, not iPhone, not whatever the tech is. We love to hear these stories. They're just it's entertaining. At least it is for me. And I think most of you listening. I mean, you're listening to a show called Tech Fan. So I will see you guys in a week, and uh, thanks very much for listening. Appreciate it. Bye.